really, we use the phrase, put your money where your mouth is. I think we could go a little further than money. It shows you where his love was at. For God so loved the world. That word so, that describes you and I. I mean, it took a so kind of love for him to send his son to die for me. It took a so kind of love to want to have a relationship with me. And now that I'm saved and I I'm, I'm belong to him, uh, you know, he could have just set me free. He could have broken the prison, opened the door, say, okay, I have paid your pardon. You are free to go. But don't ever talk to me again. Don't look me up. Don't come to my house. Don't speak of my name. And yet that's not how it was. Not only did he open the gates of the prison to let us out, he wants to have a close personal relationship with us on a daily basis. And I don't understand. That's why I told my Sunday school class this morning in Isaiah 9, 6, the Bible says his name shall be called Wonderful. That means that when you look at Christ and all that he did, something that is wonderful, it makes you wonder. Why? I know me and I know you and I wonder why and how. That's why he is wonderful and full of wonder because he wanted us. He wants you. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, could I just encourage you today to accept him because, boy, he wants you and he sent Jesus to die for you. It's such a privilege to be here on Christmas Eve. I know this is just a day that we set aside to, uh, or we're getting close to the day, we set aside to honor our Savior's birth. But boy, how special on the Lord's Day that we are here on Christmas Eve. And this morning we're going to go right to Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2. Sometimes people can guess it. Boy, I know where we're going to go on Christmas, and then sometimes the preacher throws you a curveball and you preach out of Revelation on Christmas. Uh, Not today. Not today. Luke chapter number 2, when you get there, let's stand. I'm thankful that as we read the Christmas story, it never gets old, does it? Uh, Last night I was uh, on an airplane flying home and uh, took out my phone, was reading my Bible on my phone, and I was reading in Luke chapter number 2, and I don't know how many times I've preached out of Luke chapter number 2, and reading over the verses the Lord would have us to preach out of today, and just couldn't help but marvel how many times you go back to that well. And you find new and fresh water every time of what the Lord have you to preach. And I'm excited to preach something uh, today the Lord laid on our heart. And oh, it was a blessing to me. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. I near about can quote these from memory because I was in a lot of Christmas plays as a kid. Uh, But I'll read it to you this morning in case I get my lines wrong, okay? And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his spouse, wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. Now our key text today will be verse number 7. I'm going to preach mainly out of there most of the morning. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Now watch these next few words. This is where the message will come out of today. The Bible says, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, I do thank you for what we just read. I thank you for being willing to send Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that he was willing to die. Lord, willing to go to the cross, the death of the cross. Lord, would you be reviled, to be beaten to be humiliated so that I could be saved and called the Son of God. Uh, Father, I pray today that, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you yet, that, Father, they'll realize that 
Lord, you've given us the power through Christ to become the sons and daughters of God today, and I pray that you'd help us, Father, Lord, to see that great opportunity. And for those of us who are saved, Lord, help us not go through today and get through today. And tomorrow, Lord, help us not look past, Lord, the opportunity of what you've given us in your word, and I pray that you bless it today. Be with our people that are home. Many still sick today. Thank you. They're tuning in. Be with those that are watching, Lord, from other states as they're with family. Lord, I pray you bless them and help us, Lord, unite together in worship of you today. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to think about something this morning about all of the different characters of the Christmas story. Um, I think all of us have either been in or been to a Christmas play in our lives. Uh, as a preacher's son, uh, my sister can tell you, uh, preacher's daughter, uh, we were in the plays, uh, whether we wanted to or not, you know, you, you're the preacher's kid, that's part of the job, and we wanted to, don't get us wrong, we wanted to, uh, but it was kind of the job, you know, and uh, the pastor's son, I don't know how many times, I was Gabriel, I was Gabriel, that was my job, wasn't a very good angel, still not a very good angel, but that was my job, and uh, boy, Easter come around, you'd be in those pl- programs, but I want you to think about the biblical characters today, not the ones we play, but the ones that we we're reading about, and I want you to think about this, about the role that they would play in the Christmas story. Um, You think about Mary and Joseph. You think about the wise men, the shepherds, the innkeeper that we're going to read about or read about here in just a minute. You think about all of those characters would play a role in the Christmas story, but really none of them had planned to, right? Uh, Think about Mary and Joseph. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph had their own plans. We know they were going to uh, be married. The Bible tells us that here. And I'm sure they had thought about their home, the life they would live. I mean, every couple has plans, right? I did some pre-marriage counseling the other day, and it's a blessing to hear about the ambitions and plans of these young couples. They're getting married, going to have the house with the picket fence and the little poodle dog. Sometimes they disagree over the dog. Uh, sometimes it's a poodle, sometimes it's a Rottweiler, and you know, they usually don't mix because one becomes the other one's breakfast, and we have to work through that on marriage counseling, but everybody has plans. I'm sure Mary and Joseph had plans. They could picture where they were going to live and what they were going to do, and, and then lo and behold, this angel appears and kind of throws a monkey wrench in that. I promise you, giving birth to the Savior was not something that was on Mary's mind as a little girl. That would be part of her story, and yet that was God's story for her. It was God's plan for her. Think about the shepherds. On the night that the angels appeared to them, uh, I'm sure they never imagined that would happen. I mean, I'm sure they were just planning their night away. I don't know what shepherds did in their off time, and maybe they were sitting around a campfire and telling stories, or maybe sitting around having the equivalent of coffee, if they drank coffee back then. And they didn't have any idea that this angel was going to appear and scare the daylights out of them. So how do you know? Because the angel said, fear not. Evidently, they looked scared. Or as we would say here in the south, scared, right? They probably looked scared. And then there's the wise men. The wise men had things they were about. They were important people. They were people of reputation, people of renown. And I'm sure this wasn't on their plans either, but yet this was God's plan for them. That they be a part, and a very important part, a crucial part of the Christmas story and the birth of Christ. Now, let's bring that home, if we could, in the introduction this morning. The part that we will play uh, in the role of God's will for our life, you know, God has a role for all of us. Number one, we know that whether you're here today and you accepted Christ or not, God still has a role for you. He says he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's God's desire for you. 
He's got a plan for you today. If you're here today and you're saved, aren't you glad that after we get saved, not only does he save our soul, but he allows us to be a part of the grand will of God. God has a plan for our life and we have a role to play in the will of God. But wait a minute, there's something in our story just like the characters in the Christmas story that we have got to understand. And that is the part that we will play in the role of the will of God for our life is all depending, dependent upon whether we are willing to accommodate Christ in our life. Now think about Mary and Joseph. In order for them to play their role, they were going to have to be willing to accommodate Christ in their story. In order for the shepherds to play their role in the Christmas story, God's will, they were going to have to be willing to accommodate Christ, to go out of their way to do what God said they were going to do. The wise men, in order to play their role, They had to be willing to accommodate Christ. Now, you think about Mary and Joseph. Boy, it was an unorthodox and odd mission, but they accommodated Christ. You think about the shepherds scared to death. Yes, they were. It was frightening. It was extraordinary, but they fulfilled their role. Why? They were willing to accommodate Christ. The wise men, I want you to think about them in particular. Not only was it miraculous, for them it was dangerous because if Herod had charged them of what they were to do, and they had to decide whether they would defy Herod or defy God, and and yet they accommodated Christ and fulfilled their role in the Christmas story. Now, this morning, here's what I want us to think about for a few minutes. One day, we're going to look back on our life like we are looking back on this story. Right now, you are living and writing the story of your life right now. You are making memories, uh, you are going on adventures, uh, you are making decisions that one day you will look back on and hopefully some you will be happy about and unfortunately some there will be disappointments about. But whether or not we fulfill our God-given role in the story of our life, it will all boil down to what we're going to preach on today and that is accommodating Christ. Each and every one of us today have to make a mental decision. For some, it'll be an eternal decision on whether or not you accommodate Christ today. If you're lost, it's not the will of God that you die and you go to hell. He went through the expense and all of the work to send his son to die that we could be saved. But you have to choose to accommodate Christ in your life. If you're here today and you're saved and you're trying to find the will of God for your life, listen, you've got to accommodate him into your life. You can't just say, God, I want you to come and be a part of my life. You have to accommodate him in your life. This morning, I'm going to focus on the innkeeper, if we could. We don't have a whole lot on him, but we know in verse number 7, watch what the Bible says. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, this morning, I want to focus on this innkeeper, but I don't want to add something that's not there. But obviously, they went to the inn and they asked the innkeeper for a room, and the innkeeper told them there was no room. He was not able to accommodate Christ that night. Now, look, I think the innkeeper gets a bad rap. I really do. He was probably a really nice guy. Uh, he was probably a guy that was just making a business decision. We see outside of hotels all the time no vacancy. Meaning there is no room. So I don't want you to come off with a bad attitude toward the innkeeper, okay? I don't want you to get to heaven. If the innkeeper's in heaven, I don't want you to give him the silent treatment. All right? I don't want everybody to look at him and say, "Uh uh-huh, you're the guy that wouldn't let Jesus in. Don't do that. Number one, you can't do that when you get to heaven. But I hope you don't be mean to him and think ill of him. But here's what I want you to think about today. 
it was really just a matter of space, wasn't it? Right? They come to the inn and they knock on the door. They're there for the taxing. And they say, we need a room. And the innkeeper says, we are full. There is no room for you here. It's simply a matter of space. He could not accommodate Christ in his inn because he had no room. There's no room. Now hear me out this morning. I believe the same truth goes to you and I. If we're going to accommodate Christ this morning, it begins by dealing with something that causes us a great conflict. You know what that conflict is? That conflict is a conflict, number one, this morning of room. If we are going to accommodate Christ and welcome Christ into our hearts for salvation, and then after we're saved, go on to be a part of the will of God and fulfill the role of God in our life, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to solve this conflict of room. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, if you haven't noticed, we are all together too busy a people. We are too busy a people. Now, I don't know. Somebody told me once, we're no busier than people were back in, in, in the days of Christ. I don't know how busy they were. I'm sure they were busy for their lifetime as we are busy for our lifetime. But we are a busy people. Uh, I'm sure some of you are finding it hard to pay attention this morning. Uh, not because I'm boring, uh, hopefully, but because you've got things to do after church today, right? You haven't wrapped the gifts yet. Shame. I gave you a week's warning last week. But I'm a hypocrite because I haven't wrapped all of mine either. Okay, so we're on the same page. We've got a big lunch to go to, and we've got to be back because we have candlelight service tonight, and we've got all these things to do, and we've got all these things in your mind. Watch this. In order to accommodate the Christ in the message today, you know what you've got to do? You've got to make room. You've got to make room. This morning, accommodating Christ simply boils down to the same problem the innkeeper had, and that's a conflict of room. And I fear today, we are all together too busy. We have too much going on, too much to think about, too much on our plate. It reminds me of Paul at Mars Hill. What did he tell them? He says, you're far too superstitious. You have this God and this God and this God and this God. But what did he describe their gods as? Devotions. You, you're far too superstitious. You have this devotion. You're devoted to this and devoted to that and devoted to this and devoted to that. He says you're devoted to too much. And because you're devoted to too much, you don't even know the one true living God. I think that's our problem. I think that's our problem. We're the innkeeper. We can't accommodate Christ because we're like the people on Mars Hill. We are devoted to so much. We don't have room for God. There's no room for Christ in our life. Folks, I want to tell you something. You want to change your home, change your life, change your heart, change your family, change this city, change our country. We have got to learn to accommodate Christ. And that begins with this matter, this conflict of simply having room. What did it say? Verse 7. Or, yeah, verse 7. There was no room for them in the end. It was simply a matter of space. Now, this past week we were in New York City. I was telling our class a little bit about it. and uh, Went up there for Christmas. We did that 10 years ago. Wanted to go do it again. Spent a little time up there. And um, if you go to New York City this, this past week, uh, one of the things you're going to find is a great conflict of room, okay? Everywhere, everywhere. Uh, we got on the airplane in New Orleans to, to fly out on Wednesday morning. Uh, everybody's jockeying for position to get their bag in the overhead compartment. Uh, there's no room on the plane when, when we were there, and then our plane broke. That's another story. Um, we get to our hotel right there off of Times Square, right off of uh, 6th Street, 6th uh, Avenue, and um, we find out that uh, everybody else loved the hotel that we picked, too. 
Uh, a lot of people there. Breakfast line was unbelievably long, and I never got the first piece of bacon uh, while I was there. Uh, one morning, we uh, go down to get on the elevator to ride down so we could have breakfast and uh, uh, realized all of a sudden that the elevator was full. Another elevator comes. It's full, too. I'm like, where are these people coming from? We were on the 28th floor. I mean, where are all these people coming from? And so we sat there, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited. There's just no room. We get to Times Square. There's no room there. We had a great trip. Don't get me wrong. No room. We get in the subway. There was no room. We get to Rockefeller Center to get the tree, the picture with the tree, okay? That's why you go. Get a picture with that tree. We get there. there there's no room there. Now, why was there no room? Well, let me give you a simple little matter of physics here. There wasn't enough space for all of the people who needed to be there, okay? Uh, when, they, when, they, when they rebuild New York one day, they need to build it a little bit more space so some more people can fit in there, okay? All right, now watch this. You and I, our heart and our life and our mind is a lot like New York City. Some of you more than others, okay? <laughs> it's just crazy up there. The problem is this. Watch this. We don't have enough room in our heart and our mind for all of the things we're devoted to, and there's not enough room for Christ, and unfortunately, Christ is the first one to go. That's the first one to go. We don't have enough room. There's not enough space, and yet Christ desires to be in our life. He wants to be the centerpiece of our life, the centerpiece of our home. Uh, we, man, years ago, years ago, not even here, another city, I was doing some marriage counseling with a couple, and they're about to, the marriage is about to fly apart, and they're done. They're toast. We began to sit down and try to figure out why this marriage was, we got off the tracks, and it was nothing major. Can I tell you what it was? The son had baseball, the son had karate, uh, the son had Boy Scouts, the daughter had ballet, she had gymnastics, she had Girl Scouts and all this. And one parent took one kid, one parent took the other kid, and all week long, this is all they're doing. And mom and dad slowly grew apart. They had no time or no room for each other. It's amazing, little things here and there. And after a while, there was not enough room for all that needed to be done, and their marriage was on the verge of brink. Now, thanks be to God, it all worked out, got it all pulled back together. But here's the deal. You'd be amazed at how fast your life can fly apart when you don't have room for Christ. Your home will fly apart. Your kids will fly apart. Your relationships will fly apart if you get to be like the innkeeper. Well, there's no room in your inn. No room in your inn. Now, don't you think about this old joke. I don't want to give a, a cemetery joke, but I think it'll help you understand. Uh, Brother Bado, they're out of town today. They're in Florida with their family. Uh, their grandchildren are baptized. Brother Bado is one of the kings of dad jokes. Can we all agree with that? Amen. I don't know if Brother Bado is watching, but he is. He's good at it. Boy, he knows dad jokes. And if you know anything about dad jokes, dad jokes aren't necessarily the best jokes, but they're at least good for a chuckle. And uh, Brother Bado told me a joke. I've heard it before, but it just sounds better coming from him. Do you know why there's fences around cemeteries? Don't know that one? Gosh, this is a new one to you. Because people are dying to get in there, right? All right? I, I hate to use a cemetery joke, but I'll, you'll get the point here in a minute. People are dying to get in there. Can I tell you something about your heart and your life and your home? Christ literally died to get in there. He died to get in there. That's how bad he wants to be in your heart, in your life, in your mind. He died to get in there. And the sad thing is oftentimes you and I, we don't have room in the end. Christ. Why? Is the conflict of room. Our lives are too full. We are too devoted to too many things, and Christ is the first thing to go. Do you remember when Paul was witnessing to King Agrippa? Boy, he's begging him. 
Agrippa, I know you believe. I know you want to believe. I mean, he's just right there on the doorstep. I know you want to believe. Oh, you got to believe. Paul's just begging and pleading. Let Christ in. Let Christ in. Let Christ in. And what did Agrippa say? Almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. He almost let him in. He was almost saved, and yet he was all the way lost. Why? He didn't have room for him in here. I'm the king. I don't know how that would have affected his kingship. But man, he says, I can't do that. And he never let Christ in. Why? Because of his position. Folks, I don't know what your position is in life today, but don't let your position keep you from letting Christ in. I don't know what it is that you feel like it's going to cost you to let Christ in. That position is not worth it. It doesn't matter if you're the king or the president or the senator. Let Christ in. Oh, he'll change everything once he gets in there. And oh, it's a wonderful change. But you've got to let him in. That's why he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why is he knocking? He's not knocking. You know, a lot of times I think we think he's knocking just to aggravate us. You know how kids will do that? They'll just tap on stuff. At camp, something about a white folding table automatically in a teenage boy's eyes becomes a drum. <sighs> like, quit, man. It's not a drum, it's a table, all right? It costs a lot of money, don't tear it up. We think that God's just standing there knocking to aggravate us. No, he's knocking because he wants in, but you've got to let him in. doesn't matter who you are, what your position is. We were in one of our favorite places this past week, or my favorite places, Little Italy, there in New York City. Chinatown uh, makes me a little nervous, but uh, Little Italy right next door to it is nice. And Walking through Little Italy, and it's just classic Italian-America community there. And we love walking through little Italian restaurants with little wooden tables out front. It's just great. It's not really a touristy area. It's just a nice Italian culture there. And we're walking through and uh, trying to find a place to get a piece of pie, okay? You don't call it pizza. You call it a pie, a slice or a pie. That's what you get up there, okay? That's how you speak the language. And I got a little lesson in that today at church, okay? So we're walking through there, and I'm trying to decide where to go. And this guy comes off, off the corner toward me. He says, what you looking for? I said, I want a place to get some real, authentic pizza in Little Italy. He says, well, I know the place to go. Come here. He pulls me over. He says, right here. This is Baby John uh, Lutro's uh, Cafe Palermo. And I'm like, well, that sounds legit, you know, with a name like that. We go in, and we sit down in the Cafe Palermo, and there's big pizza pies everywhere, and man, it's just great, and uh, the, the workers talk that Italian New Yorker mob talk, you know, I'm just soaking it up. I'm loving every minute of that, and we're sitting there, and one of the pizza cooks have his big old brick oven, they're cooking it together, they're kind of getting a little bit of an argument, and the one guy looks at the other guy, I'm not kidding, Leslie and Myler were sitting right there, he goes, you know, you could get hit by a bus. I looked over at Leslie, I said, isn't this great? And they're like, I love culture. I love being around different cultures. I'm just soaking it up. Well, in a few minutes, on, on the wall, they had pictures of John uh, Lutro, De Lutro there. They call him Baby John De Lutro. He is the cannoli king of New York City. Not self-proclaimed. This dude has the Letterman jacket on the back of it that says, Cannoli King of New York City. Go home and Google Cannoli King New York City and you'll see John Day Lutro uh, on the picture. So we're sitting there. His pictures are up on the wall. Got the fedora like a mobster. It's great. It's great. I'm sure he knows somebody that knows somebody who probably got hit by a bus. And we're sitting there. And this old man walks in the door with the fedora on. And I'm looking at the picture on the wall and I'm looking at this old man. And I'm like, that's him. That's baby John DeLutro. 
So I asked the cook, I said, is that him? He goes, that's the guy. I'm like, look, you should be straight up. You have not because you asked not. I said, can I get a picture with him? He goes, uh, I'm not sure. I'm like, look, how often do you get to say you met the cannoli king of New York City? I'm getting a picture. This is the guy that could have gotten hit by the bus. That was the guy who told him that. He goes, I'll go see and find out. When he goes around, he comes back, he never says a word, does he? He doesn't tell me anything. I'm like, yeah, he said no. So we're sitting there, and I'm like, my goodness. I just would love to meet this guy. He seems authentic. And so when I stood up to leave Cafe Palermo, I look back, and there is John DeLutra, baby John DeLutra standing there. I look at him and say, hey. He goes, I'm like, oh. I said, got to get a picture. You know, you kids don't know what that means, okay? But me and him were old people, so we knew what that meant. I said, can I get a picture? He goes, hurry up, I got to go. I told Leslie, get over here now. We get over there. He said, he puts his arm around me. He said, come on, come on, I got to go, I got to go. And I'm like, Leslie, get over here. Leslie did not even have time to get in the picture. I was that scared. I was that scared. I mean, with a name like Baby John De Lutra, you know, he could, he, I could get hit by a bus, you know. And so Leslie, did, Leslie barely got in the picture. And I snapped it out. I was like, okay, you can go now. But before he left, I said, hey. I said, hey, it's nice to meet you. Enjoy. We, we got a cannoli at the Cannoli King. Got two of them, six dollars a piece. And uh, I said, hey, I know you got to go. I said, you're in Mississippi. I said, I want you to come go to church with me. On the back of there is our plan of salvation. He took track. He stuck it in his pocket and he left. You know, he's kind of a big deal in New York City. But it doesn't matter his position. He needs to let Christ in. He needs to let Christ in. It doesn't matter if you're King Agrippa or King of the Cannolis or maybe just King of the remote control at your house. You need to let Christ in. But the problem is we have a conflict of room. There is no room for Christ, and that's the sad thing. The sad thing is today I think it's very easy for all of us to become an innkeeper type of Christian. Where we have so many things and so many rooms booked up in our heart and our mind, there is no room for Christ. Can I ask you this this morning? Is there room in your schedule for Christ? No, there's no room. I'm turning Christ away. There's no room for Christ in your schedule. Is there room for Christ in your lifestyle? Is there room for Christ in your thoughts and your opinions and your decisions? Is there room? Why? I fear today we're looking at an America that's lost as a goose, not because of the lost people, but because of the saved people who don't have time or room for Christ in their life. That's why. It's a conflict of room. I think about the song. We may sing it here every once in a while. There's room at the cross for you. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Aren't you glad? There's room at the cross for you. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you're from, what you've done. There's room for you. There's room for you. Here's what I believe, though, is the problem this morning. I believe there's room at the cross for us. But I believe after we get saved, there's no room for the cross. In our life, where we have too many devotions, where our rooms are all full. God, I don't have time for you today. God, I got this Christmas stuff going on, and I don't have time for you today. Uh, boy, I tell you, if Jesus is truly the reason for the season, we'll make room for him, won't we? You think about old Barabbas when Jesus was preparing to be crucified. He said, you can have Jesus or you can have Barabbas, but I can only let one go. What was he saying? There's only room for one. There's only room for one. Unfortunately, we oftentimes, we, we pull for Barabbas. 
we don't want Christ. Why? Well, I'll show you. You keep reading, the Bible says, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. You say, well, what do we do? All right, there, I need to have Christ in my life. I need to make room for Christ. Well, understand this. Anytime you have this conflict of room, in order to accommodate Christ, oh, here comes the tough part. In order to accommodate Christ, it's going to bring you to the second thing I want you to see today, and that's a question of change. A question of change. You see, the only way the innkeeper could invite Christ in was to move someone else out. Right? Uh, you ever been at a restaurant? And it's a busy, crowded restaurant, and the waiter keeps coming by and keeps coming by and keeps coming by, brings you the check early. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to get you out so they can get somebody else in. Because they already got your money, and now they get somebody else's money, right? That's just good business. Nothing wrong with that at all. Just good business. Now, hear me out. They got to move somebody out to get somebody else in, all right? They got to get you moved out so they can move somebody else in. That's the way it is tonight, for, or this morning for us. It still feels like night. We've got to make room. We've got to bring about change. That's the second thing I want you to see. You've got to decide what's going to change in order to accommodate Christ. Friday, we got up, and uh, we're going to go see the Brooklyn Bridge. Never been to the Brooklyn Bridge. Want to go see the Brooklyn Bridge. Seen a lot of pictures there. And, uh, I don't know. I told my class, I don't know who gets these pictures of the Brooklyn Bridge when there's nobody there, but it wasn't when we were there because there was a lot of people there. And uh, so we got up and we walked out of our room. The elevator was right on the other side of the hallway from our room. We walked out and we matched the elevator button. And once, as usual, the elevator was full, always full. But there was room for two. My family, there's three. So I said, Les, Miles, y'all get in the elevator. I'll take the stairs. Now, you remember what floor I was on? 28. I thought to myself, you know what, there's no room for me in there, I'll just, uh, I'll run down the stairs. I mean, gravity will pull me all the way down. I force general all the time, nine floors. Yeah, 28 floors. I get to the bottom, my legs feel like jello. They still feel a little bit achy. I've been taking Motrin, trying to get that pain to go away. That's why I don't exercise. The elevator was full. There was no room, so I had to change my plans, and because I am a chivalrous, hey, do that for your family one day, guys. Come on, that's what real men do. Let them ride, you walk, okay? 28 floors. I thought it would never end. I felt like it was some kind of a Twilight Zone movie. It just never would stop till we got to the bottom. There was no room there, so in order for me to uh, go about my day, I had to change my plans. Now, folks, that's the way it is for you and I. If we want to fulfill God's will and play the role that God's called us to, at some point you have to question change in your life. If there's no room on that elevator, something's got to get out so something else can get on. You've got to be willing to make some changes in your life. That's the sad part. We don't like to change. Notice the Bible says there was no room for them in the end. Now, were there rooms? Absolutely. But in order for the innkeeper to let him in, he's going to have to go and ask somebody to move out. And therein lies my problem and probably yours. I don't like asking things I like to move out. I don't like asking my desires and my opinions uh, and my decisions to move out. I want to keep them there. Here's what I want. I want me and I want God at the same time. God, can you just join what I want to do and everything work out all right? No. We're going to have to let some things get out of the way. Matthew 4, I want you to think about this this morning as we hurry. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls his disciples. He comes along and he says, follow me, verse 19, and I'll make you fishers of men. Wait a minute. Do you know what they're fixing to have to decide to do? Accommodate Christ. 
Christ comes along and says, hey, I want you to follow me. Now, wait a minute. Here's dad. Dad is the boss of the fishing company. Dad's sitting there with the nets and their boat and all this. And all of a sudden, the disciples go, this, this guy just said, follow him. The decision had to be made to accommodate Christ. Do I accommodate dad in my livelihood, in my comfort, or do I accommodate Christ? Now, wait a minute. Here's something wonderful. The Bible says straightway they left their nets and followed him. Notice something had to be forgotten so that Jesus could be followed. Never forget that. That there are times you're going to have to forget some things to follow Christ. That means, hey, something's going to have to be moved out so something else can be moved in. And this morning, that, that wants to be moved in is Jesus Christ himself. Listen, you may be saved, but he wants to be the center of your home, the center of your thoughts, the center of your children's lives. And the only way he's getting in is for you to answer this question of change. Am I willing to move somebody out so that I can move the somebody in? That's why Luke 9, the Bible says, if any man will come after me, that means accommodate Christ. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself something forgotten. Take up his cross and follow me. You see, you can't accommodate Christ in your life without forgetting some things. There are some times, there are some thoughts and ideas and opinions, desires, maybe even hobbies that are going to have to get off the elevator. So that Jesus can get on. But oh, can I tell you something? There would be nobody I'd rather ride along with in this life than have Jesus. Amen. We sing the song, Just As I Am. I love the song, Just As I Am. I don't know how many people have been saved while that song was being played during invitation time. But you understand that's the song that we sing before we get saved. I know modern religion doesn't teach that. But it is. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. I come to you just as I am. This is who I am. This is all I've got. And I don't know why you would want to purchase me with the blood of your precious son, but I come to you just as I am. Thanks be to God. Watch, he moves in. The Bible says if any man be in Christ or if any man have Christ in him, same thing. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm not preaching work salvation. I'm just saying, look, Jesus will change your life. By the way, why would you want a Savior who couldn't change you at all? The modern gospel says you come just as you are. You leave just as you are. Nothing changed. Why do you need a Savior like that? No, it brings about change. By the way, I think that's why many folks never invite Christ on their elevator. Why? Because they know he's going to bring about change. They know old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Number two, in order to accommodate Christ, what's got to happen? Well, we've got to answer the question of change. In order for the innkeeper to let Jesus in, he had to move somebody else out. I wonder this morning, who do you need to move out of your inn? What do you need to move out of your mind and your heart so that Jesus can come in? What has taken that place of priority in your life this morning where Jesus desperately wants to be? But in order for him to be there, something else has got to move out. And the innkeeper says, there's no room for you. You're going to have to move on. But wait a minute. Something happens here at the end. And I, I love this because, boy, it makes me think of myself. The Bible says, and laid him in a manger. Watch this. There was no room. And the innkeeper wasn't willing to change. Don't hold it against him. Okay, just good business. There was no room in the end, and there's going to be no changes to that. So watch what Mary and Joseph did. They just moved on. And what did they find? They found a manger that was there. 
basically a horse stable. Now, here's what's amazing. There was no availability in the inn, so he moved on until he found somewhere that was available. Watch this. When you have no room in your heart for Christ and you're willing to make no changes to have Christ in your life, can I tell you what he'll do? He'll move on and he'll find somewhere else that he's welcome and that's available. Stick with me. Now listen to me this morning. If you desire Christ in your life as a lost person, understand, look, he's knocking. You've got to let him in. He is not going to invade your will. You've got to let him in. But then as a Christian, can I tell you this? You may have the talent, the respect, whatever it is you want of an innkeeper. But if you don't have the availability of a manger, you're no good to God. I'm sure the inn was nicer. I'm sure it was more comfortable. I'm sure it was more desired. And yet it was unavailable. And yet here was a manger, less desired, less to offer, less comfortable, and yet it was available. Hear me out. I'm afraid tonight, or it feels like tonight, good. Look, when you spend a week in New York, it just messes you up, okay? (laughs) Amen, Brother Michael. You may be an innkeeper Christian this morning. And man, you're, you're talented, you're desirable, But boy, if you won't let Christ in and let Christ be the center of everything, he's going to move on and he's going to find a manger Christian that will welcome him and it's available. What's the difference this morning? Well, number three, I want you to notice a conclusion of will. A conclusion of will. Hear me out and we'll be done. There was no room. Well, that was a problem there. And evidently, there was no change going to come. And so they moved on, and they found something that was available. Do you know this morning, for whatever desire, whether for salvation or to be the center of his will in your life that Christ wants in, do you know what it boils down to? It really boils down to the conclusion of your will. Hey, I'm available. The manger... We don't know. I don't know if it belonged to the innkeeper. I don't know how far away it was. All I know is it was available. It was available. Look, you may be a manger Christian this morning, not as talented, not as intelligent. Maybe you're, you're newly saved and don't even have a heritage of a family of Christians beyond you. It doesn't matter. You may be a manger Christian. Can I tell you something? If you're available, that's the greatest ability in the world. Availability. Availability. This morning, I'm afraid. I really am. I'm afraid. I hear so many people name the name of Christ. I'm a Christian, da-da-da-da-da. But you don't see Christ in their life anywhere. You don't see it. You don't see it in their decisions, their conversations. You don't see this book governing what they do or how they do it. You don't see it. It's not there. And I'm afraid we're innkeeper Christians. We have no room for Christ. And yet, watch, we're going to look up one day, and you're going to see God using a manger Christian. God, why didn't you use me? I had a, a better singing voice. God, why didn't you use me? I was more popular and better looking. And there's this guy over here. I mean, good night. He hadn't been coming to church here a couple of weeks. And man, my goodness, it seems like you're using him. Do you know why? Because his door was open. He welcomed Christ in. And oh, we see a precedent here in verse number 7 where God can use a manger 
when the end wasn't open. You know, one day, you're going to look back on your life as we are looking back on this Christmas story today. Mary and Joseph, the shepherds. We look at the wise men, and now we're looking at the innkeeper. And your life is going to be a reflection of whether you did or did not accommodate Christ. The innkeeper said, I have no accommodations for you. I don't think he was mean. I don't think it was malicious. I think it was business. But he had no room for Christ. And so God says, okay, my son will be born in a manger over here. Oh, man, what a blessed place that manger was, that God allowed his son to be born there. Oh, can I tell you this morning, Christian, don't, don't be an innkeeper, Christian. Make room for Christ today. In your holidays, listen to me, I know we got a lot going on. We all do. we got a lot of places to go. We've got family to go see. Tomorrow we're going to leave out and go to Louisiana, see my wife's family and all that to do. Can I tell you something? You better make sure that Christ is in it. Don't go through this holiday with not having room for, I don't have time for that right now. Oh, tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to have a very special church service. Boy, it's going to be good. Special time of communion as a church body together. Make room in your schedule. Make room. Don't be an innkeeper Christian. Don't say, I don't have room for that right now. No. Hey, be a manger Christian this morning. Provide the accommodations for Christ. Question for you as we close. Is the reason this morning Christ is not where he needs to be in your life? Because watch, you've yet to deal with the conflict of room. Is there something that needs to be moved out? You see, that's the question of change. What's got to change? What's got to change? If you can't say Christ is in my life as a Christian or then as a saved person that Christ is the center of my life, all right, what needs to go? Look, Jesus is coming back real soon. He's one for one. I say it every year. He's one for one. He said he was coming and he's coming. He came. He's coming again. And I'm afraid when he comes back, he's going to find a lot of innkeeper Christians. And yes, we got talent, we got religion, we got knowledge, we got influence. But Christ is nowhere near our end. He's over there in the manger. If he's not where he needs to be, make the change today. Move something out. Move something out. Say, hey, sir, you're the innkeeper. I love you and I appreciate your business and I'll give you a gift certificate for a whole week's vacation next year. But I got to move you out because Jesus needs to come in. No matter what you've got to do, you better move him in. And then understand, it's all a matter of will. The manger got him because the manger was open. The inn missed out because the inn was closed. Are you an inn or are you a manger this morning? Our heads are bowed. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I'd beg you this morning, don't be an inn. Don't be an inn. Be a manger. Be someone that will accommodate Christ. Why don't you make room today in your schedule for Christ, your ideas, your opinions, your direction. Make room for Christ today. Make room for Christ. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, can I ask you this? If you died right now, are you certain you're going to heaven? It doesn't matter if you're new here or you've been here 100 years. It doesn't matter at all. Are you absolutely sure if you died right now, you're going to heaven? If you're not absolutely sure, I'd love to show you how you can let him in this morning. He's knocking. He's knocking. Let him in. Make room for Jesus today. Father, thank you for the opportunity.